Welcome to Season 6, Episode 16 of Strategy Simplified. If you're looking for last-minute case interview tips, today's episode is for you. Niman covers some do's and don'ts to get prepared for case interviews quickly and effectively. After the main portion of the show, you'll want to stick around for another segment of After Office Hours, where Kit O'Connor, X McKinsey, answers two listener questions about math errors in case interviews and about what the right amount of case practice is. We receive countless emails from people needing to prepare for case interviews with very little time, usually with less than a week to go before interviews. The story usually goes something like this. First, the excitement. You received an interview invite, finally. Then, the feeling of dread comes in. You didn't think it would happen so fast. What do you do? You Google how to prepare for case interviews. After a few desperate hours of searching, watching YouTube videos, and reading blogs, you realize that this is more involved than you thought. Sometime after midnight, you write us a frantic email. Help, I have an interview next week and I have no idea how to prepare. That's what today's episode is for. If you have a case interview next week or the week after, we're talking through today how to get ready. But first, here's what not to do. There are plenty of things that you can do that make you feel like you're getting prepared, but won't actually help you. Some of those things watching case interview explainer videos, reading case books from cover to cover, watching other people case, reading how-to blogs, scrolling firm websites. All of these things can be helpful when you have a longer runway to interviews, but they won't do you much good if you're racing against the clock. Preparing for case interviews without actually doing case interviews is like thinking that you can become a good swimmer by watching people swim. It's just not how the world works. And it's just not how the case interview process works. The good news is that you can prepare in a hurry, but only by jumping right into simulated mock interviews. And by that, I mean doing out loud practice with a partner. Here are the four things that you need to build casing proficiency. Number one, you need repetition. Number two, you need an assessment of your weaknesses, preferably by an expert. Number three, you need drill-based practice to fill those gaps. And number four, you need full mock practice that puts everything together. Not just the technical case skills, but your communication, executive polish, and general likability skills as well. So, Find some partners, ask your friends, or join our free case practice partner group. The link is in the show notes. Ideally, you'll work with our expert team of coaches. They'll assess your strengths and weaknesses, make sure you're focused on fixing the right issues, give you pinpoint and actionable feedback, and cheer you on like crazy. Click the link in the show notes to learn more about our MBB coaches. Let's give you some more detail on how to approach a prep plan, whether you work with our team or not. Here's how I recommend you get started today. First, if you're a case beginner, start with market sizing questions. Do at least two a day. Now, depending on the firms that you're interviewing at and your level, 
you may or may not see a standalone market sizing question. You should start your prep with them anyways. Why? The core skills that market sizing questions test for are the core skills that you'll need to use in more robust case interviews. The ability to recap, the ability to make assumptions, the ability to calculate, and the ability to drive a final number towards business insights. All of these are transferable skills to the longer case interview format. Start with market sizing so that you can begin to flex and build these muscles immediately. The good news about market sizing questions, you don't need a partner to do them and you can make them up as you go. For example, as you're driving by a coffee shop, you can think to yourself, hmm, I wonder what the market for paper coffee cups is in my city. Then you're off to the races. Next, after you've got market sizing under your belt, do five cases along with a walkthrough or an audio recording. Now, I know that I just told you that watching or listening to case interviews isn't going to help you when you have such a short runway, and that's true. What can help you is if you do those cases along with watching the video or listening to the podcast. Just watching or just listening alone won't do you a whole lot of good. But if you work alongside the expert or the candidate who's in that video or on that podcast episode, then the feedback that they get can be helpful as you go and do that case alongside them. So do five cases along with a podcast or a YouTube video. And you can look through Strategy Simplified Archives to find a whole bunch of live case walkthroughs that we've done. Next, once you've got market sizing and five full cases under your belt, you are ready for a diagnostic interview with an expert. In this session, the expert will quickly assess your strengths and your weaknesses. Here's the thing when you're on a short timeline to prepare for a case interview. You don't have time to run through an arbitrary number of cases and just hope that you'll be fine by the end. You have to be more strategic with your approach. Understand your weaknesses, understand the things that will stop you from getting an offer, and focus intentionally on those things. If you just run through mock case after mock case after mock case and focus on quantity over quality, sure, your weaknesses will get stronger, so will your strengths, but you'll never close the gap between the two. That's why a diagnostic interview close to the beginning of your prep process is so important. Once you've got that diagnostic interview done, now it's time to do 10 cases twice. Why twice? It's how you internalize the learnings. Go away and do 10 cases with a partner or with an expert coach. And once you're done doing the case the first time, go back by yourself and do it again. Now that you're familiar with the case context, with the pieces, with where the case is heading, push yourself to get to deeper analysis, a more robust structure, deeper insights from the math. Do each case twice and extract all the learnings that you can out of it. This is an example of the quality over quantity approach in action. We'll be right back after this short break. The best way to prepare for case interviews is through outlawed practice with a partner. If you're looking for case practice partners, we can help. We have a free LinkedIn group you can join to find partners at your level and in your time zone. The link to join is in the show notes. In addition, we have a team of trained MBB coaches who can work with you via one-on-one Zoom sessions to help you get ready for case interviews. 
Whether you're starting from scratch or just need a little bit of extra help to get over the hump, our coaches have seen it all and will customize each session to your specific needs. If you're looking for a tailored and structured case prep program, look no further. Again, the link to join is in the show notes. Finally, the last step that I'll recommend today is to take a drill-based approach to fill the rest of your gaps. Do mental math drills if you find you're too slow or inaccurate in the math. Struggling with structure? Go do just structure drills. Find it difficult to come up with creative ideas during the qualitative part of a case? Test yourself on brainstorming. Struggle with data interpretation when it comes to charts and graphs and exhibits? Go do chart drills. All of the drills that I've just mentioned are available on the Management Consultant platform. We've linked to them in the show notes. So there you have it, some do's and don'ts for last-minute case interview prep. Get rid of the fluff and take a focused, strategic, intentional approach to preparing for your case interview. If you have further questions, write us an email or work with one of our expert coaches. Welcome to After Office Hours, the part of the show where we answer your listener questions. If you'd like your question answered in a future show, make sure to send it into podcast at managementconsulted.com. All right. For our next couple of questions, we have with us here, Kit O'Connor, one of our coaches here at Management Consulted. Kit, thanks for joining us for these. Absolutely. Excited to have a couple of questions submitted from Black Belt clients who work with you directly. The first one here is from Tommy, who asks, if I make a single math error, will I make it through the interview? What do you have to say to that, Kit? You know, I, I <laughs> like, like any good consulting answer, it depends. Mm. Um, I, I, I think that the on the face of it, the answer is no. A single math error is not going to hurt you. I remember I made a math error in my own final round at McKinsey, and and I got through. So there, so let's let's break it down into kind of two two things. It's uh, first would be the kind of severity of the of the error, and the second would be the ability to rebound. So um, I, I think that if you're if you're in the middle of a math question and you get to a, a tough problem that you haven't seen before, maybe two numbers that just don't play well together, like seven times 13, mm-hmm. and you know you miscalculate it as, um, so what is seven times 13? 91. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that you miscalculate it as 81 and you keep on going. That is not going to hurt you, especially if you're smart about giving the interviewer what I call the intermediate answers. Because as an interviewer, I know I, I know all the math, but I but I know kind of the big numbers you're supposed to get to along the way. Mm-hmm. And if you say, oh, okay, and so the total amount of widgets is seven times 13, 81, I can kind of pause it. Mm, is that quite right? Um, and as, as long as you're, you know, kind of listening and taking hints, uh, not a big deal. So something like that is really not a big deal. And I, I think that some people get thrown off and saying, oh, no, I made a math error or the case is over. Or I'm not even going to bother. Um, absolutely not the case. Now, if you have something that is a just massive scale error and you don't pause to say, is this correct? Uh, yes, this uh, gallon of milk should be priced at $11,000. And just kind of pause and look at the interviewer like, okay, I solved the problem. 
that's pretty bad. And it, it says something about your uh, ability to, to check yourself. So that's, that's the first thing. Thinking about like, is it something that just kind of happens as a matter of course, or is it something that really is just like off in a, in a very, uh, let's call it ugly way. Um, and the second is how, how do you recover? Uh, I, I said before that some people kind of get in a rut and say, oh, no, I got uh, part of the math wrong. Uh, there, there's no way I can ever recover from this. But if you take it in stride, because, look, you're going to have math issues, you're going to say things incorrectly over the course of your career and just say, oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, I'm at 91. Let's keep on going. Um, that ability to kind of just shrug things off and say, hey, water under the bridge is uh, a really strong moment in the hey, this person would be great in the team room. And, and it's almost a good thing that you can demonstrate that you don't need to be perfect to get through the case. Um, so when, when at least uh, I'll pull back the curtain a tiny bit on the McKinsey grading process and say that it's not, there aren't like 87 points and you have to get a minimum amount to get through and one one wrong question can screw you. I, I think it's it's more of a holistic evaluation of a, did this person put forth the right effort and the right numbers and the right uh, sense of feeling good about the answer and getting to something that they can say that they can come to an interesting, interesting conclusion on? Not necessarily did they absolutely do the textbook perfect math and equations. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um Really appreciate your insights on that there. Uh, we have a second question that's come to us from Jihei, another one of our Black Belt clients who works with you directly, who asks, what's the right amount of case practice? And is it possible to overcase? Kit, what do you think about that one? <laughs> so so let's, let's, let's take that second one first. Is it mm-hmm. possible to overcase? Yes, absolutely. Uh, there are diminishing returns after you get to a, a certain point as uh, a, a caser when, you, when you're prepping. And um, how that tends to manifest itself is that you turn into a little bit of a case robot. You end up taking every case and trying to kind of go into the index in your head and saying, okay, this is this is like that one I did with Kit four weeks ago. This is the one I did with Stephanie last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you lose a little bit of that creativity that's necessary to... Uh, succeed in, in the case interview process. Um, so yes, it's it's absolutely possible to overcase. Now, in terms of the hey, when does that overcasing happen? It's it's different for different people, but I generally think about um, the first five or so cases being, hey, get get your feet in the water, um, start dealing with this very strange process, mm-hmm. uh, start learning some of the vocabulary, some of the cadences as you go along. Um, then call the next five ten are about. Uh, polishing up the case skills saying, okay, I no longer have to actively keep all of these at the front of my mind. I can start focusing on specific areas. I can start uh, customizing more. I, I'm not using these kind of standardized uh, out of the book frameworks. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can start focusing a little bit more on where you personally need improvement. Frankly, I think this is where um, MC is probably going to provide the most value is in those kind of formative early cases. Mm-hmm. Then there's something like uh, like 15 onto somewhere between 20 to 40. And I realize it's a very broad range where you're going to start saying, okay, I feel comfortable and I, I'm not really learning as much mm-hmm. as I do more cases. And, and so at that point, you get a little bit into a maintenance mode. 
I, I would say that, you know, at the beginning of these um, case coaches are good at kind of the end, like right before an interview, case coaches are good to kind of say, all right, here's here's the, the kind of the, the little uh, tarnish on the on the diamond that you can polish a little bit before you go into the interview tomorrow. But um, that's that's what I typically see is somewhere in that 20 to 40 case range. You should start feeling, OK, I got this. Um, and, and sometimes you need someone to tell you, Hey, you're good. You should be in maintenance mode by now. Like stop doing four cases a day. Um, and, and sometimes you, you realize it on your own. If you, if you are doing cases and, and realize, Hey, I'm not, I'm not as interested in doing another one because I feel like I, it is, uh, just another lap around the block. Um, and let me, let me add one more point onto this, which is that, uh, Having varied cases is, is important. Um, mm-hmm. Don't try to do all profitability. Don't try to do all market entry. Don't try to do all M&A. Uh, mm-hmm. Vary it both um, with the people you practice with. So don't like, it's great to have a consistent case, a consistent case partner, but um, trying out different coaches, different uh, people, whether it's in, within a black belt program or other people you meet online or uh, in your program, um, that's critical, as well as you know. Ask for some of ask for some of the weirder cases. Ask for, ask for hey, you know, did you encounter a particularly difficult difficult one or a particularly strange one in your interview journey, and can you give me that one? So, you know, to, to, to kind of summarize, yes, you can overcase. It's different for everybody, um, but understanding where you are in your prep and who and what is most helpful is probably the most important thing to keep top of mind rather than purely the number of cases that you've done to prepare. Mm-hmm. I think those guidelines are probably going to be super helpful to people. Kit, just, just to follow up on one piece there um, so that we help our listeners understand the numbers that you gave, I take that to mean quality case repetitions live with a partner. Is that what you were meaning? I, that is, that's exactly what I mean. Um, you know, if, I think a lot of people say, oh, I've read these cases. It's, you know, that's probably helpful at the very beginning to just kind of understand a little bit of the vocabulary and and the flow of cases. You know, if you think about if you you do your very first case with a partner and then go back and read some just to get the flavor of cases, it's helpful there. But after that fourth, fifth case, that is just not going to do anything for you. So much of casing is the presentation, the um, ability to connect with other people, the listening, the, mm. the creativity. Like there's, there's so much that you have to do in the moment mm. that I, I think that beyond those very first formative cases, you should really be doing everything live with a partner, whether it's a uh, professional like one of us or a, um, a fellow um, interviewee. Uh, and, and I will say that, Having somebody who knows the other side of the table is so much more helpful. Um, And that's not to say all the time, and that's not to make this a blanket advertisement for us. I I think it's whether it's a a friend who has been a consultant or um, somebody else who has been um, in one of those firms, that that practice is so critical to, to make sure you have at some point during the journey. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I could not agree more, Kit. So thanks so much for sharing your input on these. Absolutely. 
Thanks for listening to today's episode of Strategy Simplified. As always, if you like what you heard, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And don't forget to check out the free resources available through the links in the show notes. We'll see you next time.